Hello everyone, I am Matt Harrison and you are listening to the Geary Cast on Sport Direct Radio, the Malaga fan podcast for all the Geary's out there. This past week, Malaga had a double dose of Real Oviedo, which provided some good results, but also some nasty side effects. We'll reflect on a mixed week in the company of football writer and Oviedo fan, Alexandra Johnson. And coming up this weekend, Malaga have an Andalusian derby as Granada come to La Rosa Leda for the last 32 of the Copa del Rey. To discuss all things Malaga, I'm joined, as always, by my usual Giri casters. Hello, Chris Marquez. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Doing great. We have our first Scandinavian guest on the show, so I'm happy. Yeah, sounds good. I am looking forward to it. And we are joined by Ben Mays again. Ben, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Awesome stuff, and we 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 come to our turncoat because Alex joins us, but he's he's been cheating on us with a, another podcast. So how are you, Alex? And how was your how was your other podcast? Uh, it was. It, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Yeah, it was good to. Well, it was any chance to talk about Malaga and Yeovil, I'll take the chance. And well, a little shout out to diehards and glory hunters it's a good podcast they interview fans of different clubs and it's quite interesting to get to know how people became supporters of those clubs yeah i suppose that's the bit we quite like doing on here isn't it the, when we get these people on that support you know a man from the north of england that loves ponferradina we want to know why so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds good um speaking of positives but not in a good way. We'll go into this week's news and we start with a negative positive because although he hasn't tested positive, uh, Luis Munoz has been left out of the Malaga squad last two games. And I think I'm right in saying, Ben, it's just for coming in contact with a positive case rather than contracting it himself. Yeah, that's right. He's got to isolate for 10 days. He hasn't actually tested positive himself. Um, but yeah, like you say, he was just in contact with someone who did test positive. Okay, so um, so ten days. That would be, and he can play in the Granada game. That would mean, I assume. No, I think I think he misses the Granada game okay. because he test the game was on Saturday and it was ten days from then. So he, oh, I yeah. think I think they said actually he misses the Granada game. So that's a shame, obviously, because I think he's played well this season. Yeah, and this is why I'm a, an English teacher, not a maths teacher. That was bad bad maths on my part. <laughs> um, also injured again today, um, Alex Hicham. Um, what's happened to him today? Well, I, I believe, I mean, I'm, you know, just looking through the various news, I'm not vaguely aware of how he's injured, but I think he'll be a big loss because, you know, he's one of those players, I was excited for him to come back. Maybe it was a bit of a rush for him to come back. Um, but yeah, I definitely think he's that attacking player on the wing that we definitely need. Yeah, actually, I remember when we did our podcast sort of preview in the season ahead and I remember saying to Chris that I felt Hicham could be the one that could make a difference this year where we lacked that sort of killer instinct last year. And towards the end of the season before, he had these little glimpses and he offers something completely different to everyone else. So, yes, his fourth injury of the season. So I'm, I am gutted. Um, I don't know about you, Chris, because I know we've had lots of conversations about Hicham last season. Um, a big loss or not? I think so. What you could see on the end of the last season was that he did a pretty good job and he was quite important with this goal against uh, La Coruña. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's a player who can score and who can... Who, he always brings danger on the pitch. 
Yeah, and and also um, as well as the La Coruña goal, he he set up that amazing Tete Morente ballet dance goal as we called it at the time, didn't yes. he? Where he twirled them. Um, yeah, so hopefully. Um, I don't know if you guys have read anything, but there's not really a time scale put on this yet. So hopefully, it's, it's a hamstring. So you'd expect sort of the usual yeah. sort of six weeks, maybe, and, and anything up to that, really. I think. Yeah. Well, hopefully, he comes back full strength and can, you know, lead us lead us to glory in the last bit of the season. Um, just quickly, one other little bit of away from injuries transfer news. I know we had a bit of a, a debacle with Orlando Saar, which I know you guys dealt with. So um, does anybody want to tell me what, what's going on with Orlando Saar or what is not going on with Orlando Saar might be more accurate? Well, we spoke to uh, somebody uh, close to him and uh, the person told us that um, he's not yet... Well, there is no contact with, uh, with uh, Legia Warsaw, but... Um, he's also not wanting to go yet, but he wants to wait what comes. He wants to wait until the end of the uh, uh, winter window of the transfer market uh, to see what comes on his path and um, to see if he can get more minutes in Malaga or that he gets more playtime. Yeah, and he wants to wait things. Yeah, and um, just to clarify, I think, Ben, you might have been on the Twitter when this all sort of happened. This was prompted by just a random tweet, if I remember rightly, yes? Uh, yeah, the report's coming from Instagram um, that rumours were coming out of Poland saying he was going to move to um, Wisdom Krakow, I believe. Um, but yeah, like Chris said, he, he wants to sort of monitor how many minutes he's get he's getting. He says he said in an interview with uh, Elders Mark in Malaga that he's, ha- he's happy with Pelicer's decision and respects the decision, but wants to monitor how many minutes he's getting before he makes that decision on whether he wants to move or not. Okay, Um, so that's it for injury and transfer news. Just one other thing I think is worth mentioning. This week, it is the one-year anniversary of Sergio Payaset becoming Malaga manager. Um, Alex, your thoughts on his year overall? I think he's had a... I mean, I think I read uh, one of our tweets saying that he's got a better record than seven out of the last eight managers, which is, you know, impressive, especially with the squad he's working with this season. So all credit to him. And I don't think he could have done a much better job given the circumstances. And I've got in my head, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, because I think you put this, I seem to remember it was 1.89 points per game, which is quite good going. Uh, you're slightly out again. It's the maths again. I think that um, it's one point four nine. I tweeted it out. So he he does have a better record than seven of the last eight managers. The only one better than him is Juan Munez, who had a record of one point five seven points per game. Um, and before that was Manuel Pellegrini. Yeah, I see. Them. I, I think we should. Uh, just quick, I was going to come to you should... quick, Chris, because yeah, I was going to come to you last for a certain yeah. reason, but I was going to say, I'm quite, just to sum up what Alex said as well, I'm quite a big Payaseer fan, so maybe I exaggerated the numbers there on purpose, but I was going to come to you, Chris, because I know since we've done this podcast, I would say your thoughts on Payaseer, you, you've gone up and down with him quite a lot, so I was going to come to you last to say, what what is your sort of overall view of the year he's had? I think we have to send him a tie for a present, for his one-year present. Because that's all he's giving us, so maybe we should give him the same back. 
Hey, I quite like that. No, he, he doesn't. He doesn't <laughs> do a bad job. Um, he's just too defensive for me. That, that's the thing. He's doing a great job. Yeah, I suppose uh, the thing I the, the respect I have for him comes from that he's sort of done it twice now, really, hasn't he? Because he, you say he's defensive, Chris, and yeah, you know, I think that would be quite a fair comment, maybe. But when he came in, he did get us winning games when we desperately needed to win games. Then it yes. sort of it did dip a bit, but then he did get us winning again. So if we can, you know keep this team together and just get that consistency. I think we're on to a to a winner. Yeah, I think he's doing an amazing job with the definitely with the youngsters because he knows how to work with them and how to get them involved and how to uh, give them confidence. Um, but at the other hand, it's always the draws and the ties that I don't know. You know you know what the biggest mistake he made is though, don't you? No. Oh, come on. It was that time at Malaga Airport when I went to Las Palmas yes. to watch them. And I give him the opportunity. I said, Mister, you know, I will play up front for you tomorrow night. And he laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, I'm, you know, I'm there for you. But he didn't say no. That was the important thing. So there's still, there's but still, still a chance. If he would put you up front, we wouldn't have to see your awesome moment of fame thrill. Dance. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that was that was in Las Palmas when I when the cameras caught me doing a little. So I didn't even know. Didn't I, I rewatched it the other day actually, and it was um. It doesn't even look like I'm celebrating. It looks like I'm having a tantrum. <laughs> but <laughs> but but I I, I I I gave it a ten. I know yeah. for me it was the highlight of last season. <laughs> but, but yeah. So, um, but anyway, um, there was a. Me celebrating, I had slightly less to celebrate this week, but there were high moments, most definitely. So we'll go into the next part of this week's podcast and look back at our two games against Real Oviedo. Okay, now it's time to look back over our double header against Oviedo this past week. And to help us look to look back over events for the second week running, we have an Oviedo lover. We're delighted to be joined by football writer Alex Johnson. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on the podcast. No problem. And you are not in Spain at the moment. Where are you speaking to us from? No, I'm in in Sweden, um, close to to Malmo, and so so I'm actually where it's no snow. Okay, <laughs> uh, I left the snowy Spain to go to the non-snowy Sweden. Oh well, it's it's quite sunny down here in Marbella today, so I, I've avoided the snow. But um, you 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 don't live in Oviedo; you live in Vigo. You're from Sweden, so you know we're going to talk about Oviedo and Malaga. So. The question we've got to ask is, why Oviedo, Alex? Why is this your Spanish football club? Uh, that's a long story. Uh, no, but I'm I'm one. Well, I, I I love Spanish football to start with, and and I moved down to Spain when when I was like 19 to Barcelona, and uh, and from there I started to kind of discover in Spain and, and Spanish football in Spain, which I think to really understand and and 
enjoy Spanish football, you kind of have to do it in Spain and, and get to know the different clubs and, and cities and, and the people and, and the culture, which is so different throughout Spain. Um, and the thing I love with Spanish football mainly is the stories around Spanish football, not just the, the football itself, which is brilliant, uh, but the stories around the players, the stories about the clubs, uh, about the fans. Uh, there's there's so much uh, because everything in Spain in one way or another is, is kind of linked to football. Uh, so that's that's been a little bit of a passion of mine, just going around Spain and and discovering these stories a bit. And uh, uh, when it comes to Oviedo, uh, I first like got in connection with Oviedo was when when they were having the the share issue back in 2012, which Sid Lowe, uh, as you had on the podcast uh, that week, uh, went crazy on, on on Twitter and and made people uh, become shareholders and. And I thought, well, this is a Spanish, historic Spanish club. I don't know very much about it, but I love Spanish football. So any historic Spanish football club that, that needs help, I would like to help in, in any way I can. And I obviously didn't have a lot of money, so but I bought the bought some shares then. Uh, and then just had Oviedo in the back of my mind, didn't really watch them or follow them more than just checking results every now and then. And when I started, ended up in, in Vigo, not living there, but when I was there for, for, for work reasons with a, a Swedish player playing for Celta and Younger Detti a few years back, I was there for a month and there was uh, a break, an international break. So I I took, okay, I'm in the north of Spain, so I'll just pop over to Oviedo, which wasn't that easy because it takes four hours with car, uh, which I came to realize. Uh, but I went to Oviedo and I watched the game and uh, it was such a special place, uh, such a special supporters. And I just wanted to know more really about the story from the things I've known from, from Sid, but just know more about it. And later I decided that same season to go back to Oviedo to do an article about it uh, because it just... Uh, the it's incredible everything I heard about it. it. Sid gave me some context. These are people you need to speak to. I did some interviews and came to realization that this is just too good. Uh, this is too big of a story uh, that you can make an article of it to make the story justice in an article because it's too many layers that are so important to really understand uh, what, what's so special here. Um, so I thought about it for quite a long time, what, what to do with all of it. And and that second trip to Oviedo when I was there for a, a weekend and I got to know some of these people and they took me around the city, uh, took me to one of the games. It was one of the most extraordinary football experience I've been to and Oviedo lost the game against Osasuna with 5-0. Uh, it was a horrible football game and horrible moment for Oviedo uh, in that sense. But everything around it was, was so special. Um, and yeah, so I tried to figure out for quite a long time what to do with, with all of it. And in the end, I decided I was going to do a book and move down to Oviedo for six months uh, to do interviews. Um, I, I couldn't be there for longer because you can't, I, the book I'm doing on my free time and, and for work, it's not a La Liga club, so I can't get a lot of work around it, which is why I later moved to, to Vigo where you have a club in La Liga. And then I'm covering mainly the northern teams in La Liga from there. Uh, but the, and I started to go back to Oviedo, and from during that entire part, my complete idea going into it was as a journalist and to kind of uncover the story and try to understand what is so special with this club that fans would go to the lengths they did uh, in order to save it, and that they got an entire world to to join in and help it. And it's like 
tell this story. And then somewhere along the way, um, I just ended up becoming a fan of Real Oviedo. And I'm, I'm a person who thinks that you can't just wake up a day and say, like, now I'm supporting that club because that's not real, real supporting. I, I think that you, it kind of happens to you. You can't really decide it on your own. And I think with, with Real Oviedo, I think also because the part of the story that I'm covering is a story that's already happened. So I'm not covering the current Real Oviedo side in a journalistic uh, way like I do with La Liga sides. And for me, it's very different watching football as a fan and watching football as a journalist. I think with, with Oviedo, when I went to go to the games, that was not part of of the book because the book is about things that already happened. So there I went to watch it as a football fan. Whilst I watch La Liga, I watch it as a journalist, and that probably played a part as well. Yeah. Uh, but that's a very long story. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but that, so, that's how I, I became a Relevator fan. <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to the story and, and the book. And uh, you're preaching to an Oviedo lover here. I was like you. I did put some money in with the shares because of Sid Lowe. And I'm not going to talk about Michu at length again this week. I'm going to dodge that. But because of Michu. And, and I went to Oviedo last year. And like you said, they, you do get a it's a... It's a great city, actually. It's really, it, it reminds me of back home in Wales, actually. It's very sort of hilly and the people are a similar sort of humour, I think. But yeah, so I'll do my bit for the Oviedo Tourist Board to go, go to Oviedo. But um, away from the past of Oviedo, then, um, Alex, how, how do you think Oviedo's season is going so far this year? It's it's quite Oviedo Oviedo <laughs> season. It's like it's it's such a team that you can't really predict what they're gonna do. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's definitely going better this season than last season. Um, last season it, it was just horrible to watch every single game. It was like having a heart attack. Uh, and, and this season we're actually seeing them play some good football. So I think I think last season ended on a, a good note, and they kind of picked it up this season. The preseason felt very very promising, but then. They, they are Real Oviedo, which means that you don't really know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a game where they, they actually play really good football, and then you can get a game where it seems like they don't even know what football is. Yeah. Uh, so it goes very up and down. Uh, but, but in general, I think very much because of ho- how bad last season was, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm quite content with what I'm seeing so far this season. Yeah, Chris made a good point last week, I thought, when we had Sid on. Um, and I hadn't really thought about it before, but um, Malaga and Oviedo do sort of you know, opposite sides of the country, but mirror each other quite a lot. Because obviously we had very similar seasons last year where we were hanging on to the the last few games and we're sort of in the same part of the table at the moment. But we, we're going to turn to Malaga for a little bit, um, Alex, and talk about that cup game. We won't talk about it in too much detail, but I'll just ask my fellow Giri casters what they thought of Malaga getting through. So apologies for you having to listen to this bit, um, Alex. But... Uh, Ben, what were your general thoughts on last week's cup game? Um, I thought I thought we played really well. Uh, I think we deserved the win. Um, I was really happy to see Chabaria come back and, and score. Um, and it was really promising watching new signing Alexander Gonzalez. I think he played very well attacking and defensively looked really strong. Yeah, what about you, Alex? A quick summary of your thoughts on that game before we talk about the league game. I think it was really good. I mean, obviously, you know, cup game, you always want to get through. It's nice to have a cup run. And um, obviously, I'm a bit wary that it might distract our concentration from the league. But I think, you know, if we can get some revenue in from playing a team like Granada next week, then I'm all for it. And you, Chris, just to to wrap up our bit on the cup, and and any players that perhaps aren't in our usual first eleven that might have stood out for you? 
Mm, no, <laughs> we were the, we were the better team. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but I don't want to be in the cup so much. I think mm-hmm. Malaga should put all their time having such a small team should put everything onto the league. So yeah, okay. I, I would have liked Real Oviedo to win. Oh wow! Okay. But you don't have to, you don't have to be polite because Alex is here. <laughs> Go on, Ben. Sorry. I have to be polite because I, I, I will tell that later. But there's something I have I and Alex have in common. Okay. I look forward to finding out what that is later. Sorry, Ben. What was you going to say, Ben? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I, I do have two players that I think played really well that don't normally play. I think David Larribea played really well. Um, really tried a lot of chances going forward. And I think Ayo Benitez looked really strong. Um, at right back I thought he got forward well and put in a lot of decent balls into the box Okay, while you're talking about good players then Ben we'll just do this really quickly before we go on to the league game do you want to give us your Chumbo and Biznaga for the cup game? Um, Chumbo would probably go to uh, Ben Kamasa he played the full game I don't think he provided too much uh, going forward I think it was hard because I think a lot of uh, people played very well in the game to be honest I'd probably give my Biznaga to Alexander Gonzalez, I think he he helped out with the goal we scored. It was his ball into the box that ricocheted. Oh no, sorry, his volley that ricocheted yeah. to uh, Pablo Chavarria. Um, and I think I think for his first game after not playing some since November, I think I think he played really well. Yeah, uh, he's my biznaga too, and I'll just quickly say my chumbo would have been Orlando Sar because I again I don't think he really did anything. Um, Alex, what about you? <laughs> I think my, I mean, there's a few, yeah, I think I, I could agree with you on uh, Orlando Saar being the chumbo, but I'm going to go with Mejias. I just think he was, you know, in certain areas you're looking at, he looked a bit unsure and, you know, insecure in the defensive areas. So I think I'll go with Mejias. And my um, Bisnaga is Quintana, not Gaia Quintana, the other Quintana. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. I think he did well in the midfield. He controlled the ball well. He was passing the ball well. He was dealing with the Oviedo pressure really well. So I think I'd give it to him. And then finally, Chris, and then we'll move on to the league game. Chumbo, Benkemasa, Biznaga, Javaria, because um, he's important. Excellent stuff. So, you know, I think Alexander Gonzalez comes out as winner there. But yeah, I definitely agree with your two shouts as well. They would have been my other two players. So we did go through in the cup. That was a joyful night. It was also the last night I had beer, actually. So I've not drunk all week. So um, I'm still surviving. But... um, to the league game, Alex, we are a little bit obsessed with football shirts on this podcast. And the first thing I think we all put in the WhatsApp, and I saw a few people on Twitter saying, what's up with that Oviedo shirt? It, it's horrible. Do, do you want to do you want to defend it? or, or... The, the away shirt. Yeah, the, the yellow and the black. Black and, black and yellow. <laughs> yeah. So the, there's actually quite some history with, or um, okay. like the, if I would just seen the shirt, uh, I wouldn't have liked it. But knowing what it inspired by, uh, I kind of really like it. Um, and it is two things that has very much to do with Real Oviedo and Oviedo. So the first is that Real Oviedo is the product of two teams that merged. Um, and one of those teams, now I'm going to probably mix them out up, <laughs> uh, but I think it was Oventese who played in, in black and, uh, and yellow. So it's kind of a tribute uh, to one of the founding clubs oh, cool. of Real Oviedo. Now, the second thing is that there's a, a type of lizard 
uh, that you can spot in, in Oviedo that's called, now I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong <laughs> as well, um, Sequerena or something like that. It's I just got it completely wrong. Anyway, Savekir, whatever. <laughs> People can <laughs> Google is, it. Uh, black, and, uh, <laughs> black and yellow. Um, and uh, and the, the shirt is in, inspired to kind of show uh, something that is very typical Asturias and Oviedo, which is this lizard uh, that you can basically, what I've understood, only only spot in Asturias, and there's loads of them everywhere. Um, and as a tribute to to the team, one of the founding clubs. So the the shirt itself, without knowing that, is just horrendous. But with knowing that, for me, a football shirt gets so much better if there is a story behind it, and it's not just someone trying to make a cool design. Alex, I totally agree. I'm even starting to like the shirt a bit more myself now. If there's a story behind the shirt, <laughs> I, 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 I slowly do get one over, even if it's hideous. Um, we will talk a little bit more about Oviedo, and you can say nice things shortly, Alex, but I think we're going to have to start with Malaga going 1-0 up, and we'll ask for your views on this shortly. Uh, ben, talk to me about Yanis Romani's opening goal to make it 1-0 in the first 15 minutes. It was a fantastic goal, a- a- absolutely great finish. Um, I think I think the way he just ran onto it and struck it in that top uh, left corner was brilliant. I'd like to see it more from him. I don't know why we try it more corners in the game, uh, because a lot of our corners just end up being to that first Oviedo defender in the game and cleared away. But yeah, really good finish. Takes him up to four, uh, three goals for the season, four assists. Um, so yeah, he's been a great signing for us. And, and we before we ask the other two, we, we did enjoy the commentators' views on this goal, didn't we, where he said, Romani's like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I think I did make a note of this somewhere, but he yeah, said, yeah. he's like Messi and Ronaldo. Then he said, he's unstoppable. Then he said, he's got lucky there. And then he said, he meant to do that, you know. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, what he said, he done, he done a, um, uh, is it a plane? No. He said, is it, is it Ronaldo? No. Is it Messi? No. It's Giannis Romani. <laughs> I think he got lucky there. <laughs> I love. We'll talk. We'll talk a little bit more about that commentator later. But um, Chris, um, is that our goal of the season so far? Do you think? No, Ramon's goal is still the goal ah, of the season. You just like the cry and celebration in that. <laughs> yeah. No, but also the goal. It was. That was. Per- this was a beauty, but that was perfect. And Alex, do you agree with that, or any any you know alternate opinions on this goal? Was it I, I was very <laughs> impressed with it. Actually, I think I mean I, I was more 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 concentrating the concent- on the celebration actually because I remember Jesse Lingard back at the Emirates did the same celebration, um, which is you know my my argument for maybe the start of the downfall for Arsenal. Now they're <laughs> on the way back up, but I thought it was a fantastic goal. And when it started curling away, I thought, oh, here we go, it's going out for a throw in, but it managed to stay in, and uh, you know it was a wonderful goal. Yeah. And you see that commentator, Alex, compared him to Messi and Ronaldo. And now you've brought it down and you've compared him to Jesse Lingard. I can't imagine Yannick Romani's going to be very happy with that. Um, Alex, like I said, we'll say nice things about Oviedo in a second. But um, do you have any views on the goal? Did you enjoy it as a spectacle? It was a beautiful goal. And, and just after we had played uh, uh, Mallorca and they got a complete golazo against us, yeah. my, my first feeling was like, is every single team going <laughs> to score golazos against us now? Yeah, and um, yeah, and actually that Oviedo game, I think we said to Sid last week about that was a, a great game for 
uh, the Mallorca game, sorry, for Oviedo, because you came back from two goals down against a team that doesn't concede many goals. And to be honest with you, as soon as Malaga scored, there was maybe five minutes where things went quiet, but it was all Oviedo from there. And the thing that stood out to me, and obviously perhaps I wasn't focusing on Oviedo as much as Malaga, but the attacking players of Oviedo, because obviously Blanco used to play for Malaga, for he... he you know, he bundled a few chances, but he's always there. And Rodri and Sangali and Noel, they all, they all seem to be flying up the pitch all the time. Um, is that usual for Oviedo? Because they look really good, I thought. I I think it's it's something that has started to come. I think at the start of the season and, and still a little bit, what Real Oviedo mainly struggled with was was in the attack. And the signing of of, uh, of Lushenko, uh, Blanco Lushenko was really, really important, I think, for, for Real Oviedo because it's, that's where they are missing. And I think we still need some, some more there in, in the sake of, of actually scoring goals and, and taking advantage of the chances. It's felt in, in some games and as well in this game against Malaga now that, that Real Oviedo has tendency to sometimes play really good football, but mm. it, it doesn't become anything out of it. And, uh, and that is... When you play football, that's kind of what you need is the, is the goals to actually come and, and happen. So it's really important to get the, those players working. And um, and the problem, I think, still is that, that there's too many chances that they are still missing. But mm. to have players like uh, like Rodri and uh, Leshuk is, is important and to get them going as well. Yeah, because I think chance-wise, certainly Oviedo you know, definitely deserved to win this game, I would say. Um would you agree with that, Ben? Do you think Oviedo were the better team over the ninety minutes? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I would agree with it. To be honest, I mean the way we started the game was really good. I, I liked the look of Christian in midfield for us, um, but as the game went on, probably past the fifteen-minute, twenty-minute mark, they looked the better team. I'd say for most of the game, every time coming forward, they looked more dangerous than us, um, and they were probably unlucky not to win the game. I think Danny Barrio had a brilliant game. Yeah, I was, I was going to lead us into Danny Barrio in a second. Um, Alex, you know, would you agree with that Oviedo better team? And maybe what do you think was wrong with Malaga after the goal? Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely think it, it, it seemed like we, we reached that point. Where we were like, well, we're 1-0 up now. We don't need to do anything else. And I think we kind of not sat back. We kind of, you know, we got a bit complacent. And there was a few chances pretty much in the first five minutes after we scored that I was thinking, well, they wouldn't be surprised if Oviedo pulled it back here. And, you know, I was, I was looking at the team. They seemed a bit sort of nervy at some points towards the end. But, yeah, Danny Barry had pulled through and I think had one of the games of this, of this season. Yeah, and then, Chris, after, after half-time, Oviedo did get that goal. Was it coming and was it a good attacking move by Oviedo or do you think uh, it was Malaga defensive issues? Uh, um, I think it was a great goal. Uh, it was a good, uh, good attack from um, from Oviedo. Maybe Malaga could have done better in defense, uh, but it was a great goal. And yeah, yeah, you know, you know, it's coming if you if you keep yeah if you give it away after twenty minutes because I think the first twenty minutes Malaga was really in control, but after those uh, first twenty minutes they really gave it away, and I think. Um, it's not only Malaga giving it away, but I also think that uh, we have to give credits to Oviedo because they really stood up and they really played like a team. And they have a great team because yeah. they have great players. 
Yeah, and would you say, Alex, that that goal was deserved? And and do you think it was a a well worked goal rather than a defensive lapse? I think uh, it, it's it's difficult to say either. Um, I think obviously, you know. Malaga did have that lapse in concentration, as you said, at the back of the defence. I think we our positioning has been lacklustre all season, I think, in the defence, whether it's Mejias or Lomban. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think it was it was partly a defensive error, but you can't take too much credit away from Oviedo. I've just, just realised as well, um, that was aimed at Oviedo, Alex, and I've realised... Uh, on, on I apologise. No, but, but on this podcast, we do only get guests who are either called Matt, Chris or Alex, so we usually differentiate, so I've forgotten this time. So I'll, I'll go Oviedo, Alex. I'm trying to give you some credit. No, it's not your fault. Malaga, Alex, is my fault. Um, this, we need to, yeah. We usually differentiate, but we've forgotten. So Oviedo, Alex, what did you think of your goal? <laughs> No, I, I think it was a good goal, and I think it was deserved. Uh, in I, I do believe this was one of the better games that Oviedo has, has played uh, recently, and uh, we keep on just being unlucky, I think. And uh, luck is something that is really, really important in football, and it's easy to forget that, and it's easy to say that, but luck is something that you need to earn. Uh, but still, you still need that little bit of luck that you can't, no matter how, how well and how hard you work, you if you don't just have luck with you, it, it doesn't come. And I think that's been going a little bit against Oviedo in, in a lot of matches, and they've lost points in matches where it feels like they, today they actually deserved it. And then we have other matches where they really don't deserve it, which is when you're supporting a team or watching a team that, that is that kind of inconsistent in one way, but also at the level uh, that you are in, in Segunda, when you actually deserve the points and you don't get it, 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 it just hurts uh, hurts a little bit more, I would say. Um, and and also to in, in this match, we, we were without uh, Borja Sanchez, which is one of the players that is the most exciting in, in Oviedo perhaps a little bit too exciting because everyone is super afraid that, that he's going to be snitched up by someone. Um, I'm, I'm started to, to calling him Dorja Danches on, on Twitter instead, just so, so no one notice who I'm talking about, so they won't steal him. Uh, but but we, we were missing him in this match as well, and, and I still think that, that the team played really, really well, and, and they deserved probably more than, than they got out of it. But but that was a good goal, uh, without a doubt. Yeah, I remember Sid mentioning Borja Sanchez last week. So you've, you've given him a mention. And you've also talked about luck there, Alex, which leads us in to the next bit and bad luck and misfortune. I, I'm going to quote our very own Chris Marquez here at the end of the game while he put in our WhatsApp group. So I'm going to get in. I've written it down, Chris. Um, I'm going to get the beep machine ready here. Chris and the final whistle just text us. Fuck VAR. Fuck football. Fuck La Liga. Apologies, Alex, for this. Fuck Oviedo. Fuck draws. So, Chris, what prompted you to put that in our WhatsApp group? Do you, do you want to explain the situation before you give us your opinion? Yes. Uh, well, I have a, I have a two-year-old who grabbed my phone and, and started <laughs> typing. He's not two yet. He's 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 almost two, and he started typing, and I I didn't read it. So uh, after the game, I saw what he typed, <laughs> and then I thought, no, but it was yeah. I don't. It's it it's nothing to do against Oviedo because Oviedo deserved to win, but I, I'm a bit I'm a bit done with VAR. 
So should we should we talk about the um, what actually happened first, and then you can give us your opinion, Chris? So basically, yes. um, I can't remember who played the pass now, but Malaga played the who had the ball in the box. I've forgotten. I wrote it down, but I can't see it. <laughs> it's Kai Quintana. I think it was Kai Quintana, yeah. or it was uh, Jack Muniz. I know the ball was going to go to Jarrell Samperio. Yes. yes, and an Oviedo defender slipped. He does slip. He puts his hand on the floor and blocks the pass to Jairo Sampiero, who is free to shoot. The referee blows his whistle for a penalty. He sees the player touch the ball with his hand. He is given the penalty, no need for VAR, but someone says in his ear, you should look at the monitor. He looks at the monitor, penalty not given. And we could talk about the rights and wrongs of that in a second. I hate talking about VAR things on this podcast, but it feels like the one week we're probably going to have to a little bit more. So I, I think it's perhaps best to go to the Oviedo fan first, as you know, as a to be hopefully be quite fair. What was your view on this penalty, Alex? Definitely not a penalty. No, I'm just joking. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I when I saw it, I was like, oh, is this how it feels to be on the other side of <laughs> this kind of thing happening? Because last season, especially like end of last season, the Oviedo were getting these kind of things against them at least twice a match. And I think it was, I was like counting, I think it was once a match for like five or six matches in a row that they either got uh, a penalty against them or a penalty they should have that wasn't given and goals disallowed. That just didn't make sense whatsoever. I think people who watch La Liga complain about uh, the referees in VRR all the time and it's horrible in La Liga. But in Segunda, it's on an even worse level. So if you support a team in Segunda... There, there's nothing good that comes with with VR, I think. Um, and honestly, when it comes, but when it comes down to it, I can't tell you if I think it's a penalty or not. Of the simple reason that I don't think that I know the rules anymore, yeah. because different uh, referees seem to have a different rule books and, and take uh, different decisions. I saw Sid Lowe did tweet something about it that apparently. They, some they have been told that if you're having your hand to the ground or something and like keeping your body up thanks to the arm, if the ball hits it, it's not a penalty, which is making no freaking sense and, and shouldn't be the case if that's the rule. Um, and it's possibly that the referees have been told that he went to look and bar and so that was what happening inside it. It's not a penalty, but either way, it feels like it's. This could be it could be that way around that they still decide that that's not a penalty it's because nothing makes sense with mm-hmm. the rules in the Liga or in in Segunda anymore. Like it's different from match to match, and you simp- especially the handball rule. You simply don't know what what is what, um, and because of that, I can never say if I've, if it's a penalty or not. Only thing I can say is that. If it goes, you can only hope that it yeah. goes for your team and not against it. But it makes no sense. I'll just make my two points on this, and then I'll come to the other guys. And yeah, exactly like you just said, Alex. There is this supporting yourself with the arm rule. But then I was thinking to myself, say that happened on the goal line. Does that mean Malaga? You know, he's not sent off for blocking on the goal line, or does that mean then maybe if? A, say someone has a free kick can you all lie on the floor doing press-ups to try and block it um, and the thing that annoyed me more than anything was I think the rule is though if that happens there needs to be a drop ball 
because Malaga have lost an advantage. But the referee, like Malaga mm-hmm. was saying, it's a drop ball. So I think it was Chavaria was saying, OK, let's do a drop ball. And the ref was shepherding him, shepherding him away. So Oviedo got the advantage of getting the ball back to their goalie. So if it, you know, like you said, it, I, it's impossible to call these days. But if that is the rule, it's a, I think it's a silly rule, basically. It needs looking at. But um, Alex, you're usually quite a sensible voice on this podcast. What, what was your views on this um, penalty Malaga. Well, I think it's it's obviously there's difficult. You know, there's two sides to it. Did the guy have to put his arm there? Did he not? You know, could he have moved it out of the way? I think also what we've got to take into account is obviously the referee is you know he's had his opinion from VAR. I think there has to be more trust involved there. I think they've got the best angle. They've got all the replays, and if they think it's a penalty then give it. I feel like also there's a problem with the referee consulting the VAR if he thinks, you know, he'll get a better look at it. And I also, there's too much to it to sort of say, this is what he should have done. But I think there was, you know, like the commentator said, it was taking too long. He had three or four other guys upstairs looking at it already. He's got to trust their opinion on it. And if at first glance, I know we want to make the right decision, if at first glance and after all the replays, they think it's a penalty, then give the penalty. Don't have a look yourself. Yeah, we're, we're getting a bit pushed for time. So I'm going to ask you both quickly, which I know is going to be tough for this. Uh, ben, any quick opinions on that decision? Uh, I think like you said, Matt, about um, what happens if that is on the goal line is very important. Um, Pellicer also said that after his interview. Um, I'm, I'm personally not sure if I've seen a worse VAR decision. I think in, I, th- I think I think it's a penalty all day long. I, I, don't, I think what they should be reviewing on VAR is if he's actually slipped or if, if he's actually c- can move that arm out the way. I mean, you see defenders close down attackers all the time, the arm's behind their back, and I I don't know. I, I, th- I think if that's on the goal line, they give it all day long. And like, like you say, there's ne- there needs to be some more information on what mm-hmm. VAR is actually doing. It took four minutes to make that decision, but then the ref just to go and look at the TV and make the decision himself. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it, need, it needs more clarity. Yeah, and our friend, the commentator, again, had a bit of a meltdown with this, didn't he, saying, this is stupid. Um, def- I think it, it sort of went viral on Malaga Twitter, so I would try and check that out. I think it was even an article written on it in El Desmarque about this commentator going mad, so definitely check that out. Um, so we'll come to you then, Chris. We know your two-year-old's opinion now, because you said he's the one that sent those texts. But Yes. But um, what what is your quick summary of this decision? Well, I have... Two things on it. Um, I have seen Atletico getting a penalty earlier this season for the same thing. And they got it. And Malaga didn't. Um, so I find that strange. And uh, the other thing I found strange was that um, when it happened, the ref was in, in first line. Mm-hmm. Um he, he he was like a meter away from it. He saw it happening, and he he blown his whistle for the penalty. So why would he change his opinion? Because it was a hands ball. It was. Um, so or the ref doesn't know the the football rules. Well, someone in his year was. I think. I think the ref was happy to give it and I think he had a little buzz in his ear saying you need to look at it but that, that's just the way I saw it but why does he need to look at it again when I, well, he was on a meter away he saw what happened yep 
I, I totally so, agree with you. So <laughs> it was the VAR saying, explaining him the rules probably, and saying, no, it isn't a penalty because I think it was pretty clear for the for the ref to see it. Yeah, but for me, it, it took away a quite clear advantage for Malaga and it's not like they cheated Oviedo to get it. That's sort of the way I see it. But um, I agree. And the, the other thing is that, um, you know, we weren't the better team. Oviedo was the better team, had true. the better chances. So, um, yeah. They get their luck. Um, they get their luck. They get their <laughs> luck that they didn't score. I think a draw... Looking at that way is probably the most fair score. Yeah, and then just to quickly sum up, and then we, I will come to find out what you have in common with Alex in a second, Chris. I haven't forgotten. But uh, Iskasi got sent off for two yellow cards. One of them I thought was a little bit soft, but, you know, the second one was definite. And then it finished one ones, and, you know, we're both still in mid-table. So we'll quickly do our Chumbo and Biznagas again. I might ask Alex as in Oviedo Alex, to pick her, Chumbo and Biznaga. I'll let you choose, Alex. It'd be nice if you picked a Malaga player, but if you want to shout out some Oviedo, that's fine with me. Um, I'll just say mine quickly. My Chumbo is just Iskassi, because I didn't think he was that great, and he got sent off. And my Biznaga, Danny Barrio, best goalkeeping performance of the season for him so far. Uh, ben, I'll come to you next. Uh, yeah, my uh, Chimbai was between um, Eskasi, like you mentioned, and also Ismail Casas. I think he had quite a poor game. Yeah. He was the player out of position for their goal. He got brought out of position too easily. Uh, I think there was uh, they got a disallowed goal in the first half as well, which he just seemed to be lazy with uh, defending. He, he was caught out of position again. Um, but I'd probably give it to Eskasi simply just because of his two yellows. Okay, um, uh, oh, no, no, Malaga, Alex. I, I think I, I agree with uh, with Ben on the um, uh, Trumbull, I think Ishmael, you know, I know he's not got a lot of experience and you can say the same with, uh, the opposite with Escassi, a player of his experience shouldn't be getting a second booking. So I think, you know, it's between those two, uh, I think, for Trumbull. And finally, Chris. Trumbull, mm, Escassi. And Danny Barrio. Yeah, I think Danny Barrio is the, the clear one for me. But um, yeah, you saved um, the point. Yeah, so we'll come to you, Alex. I'd like to apologise, first of all, that you've had to listen to us talk about uh, Malaga knocking Oviedo out of the cup and then moaning about VAR. So not the most fun one. But um, uh, what what did you enjoy about this game? What player maybe? You know, you don't have to say a Malaga player if you don't want to, but... Well, well, to start with, you don't have to worry too much. I, I'm too very used to being in that position of being the one who's so frustrated about VAR and everything like that. So, so I, I understand you completely. Um, well, I would say that I, I will keep to Oviedo players just simply because I know them better yeah. than the Malaga players. So, to be fair to the players, um, and and for me, the the one that probably you want to see more from. Uh, do better is is Rodri, who he just didn't really both both the, the attackers really, but especially Rodri doesn't just didn't really live up to to the standards we want from him and uh, and didn't take the chances that he got. And and for the best player, I would probably give that to Nal. I think he uh, was behind a lot of what what Oviedo created, and I think it's second game or, or third game in a row where he's been very very active and, and been playing very well. Uh, and I think he's he's growing a lot on me. 
Excellent stuff. Before we go, then, I really want to find out the answer now, Chris. What you said you had something in common with Oviedo, Alex. So do you want do you want to put us out of a kill the tension and tell us? We uh, well, well, you can guess. It has to do with the footballer, uh, Matt. Um, oh, I, I, what just a meet you? <laughs> no, not meet you. Um, I. No. I not everything is meet you in life. Yeah, I know. I, I'd like to think it is. Um, I, I don't even know where to start, Chris. And we push for time, so I could guess every footballer, but it might waste time. So go on, tell us. Um, I will tell you. We share the same, and that's funny. Um, the same uh, youth hero, the our child hero, when we were a child. And okay. You're talking about the king of the kings. King of Kings. I think I'm talking about King of the Kings. He is Swedish. Yeah. Um, had dreadlocks. He oh, cut yeah. them off. Of course, I know. And, uh, he's my he's my youth hero because he played a long time for my Dutch club, which I support, uh, Feyenoord. And yeah, I don't know. For me, he's like a legend. Should we like just clarify it's Henrik Larsson, just in case people are still going, who yes. are they talking about? <laughs> it, it is Henrik Larsson. Uh, for me, one of the best players yeah, great. ever. Well, well, I mean, he's the best player in the history of football. <laughs> I saw well, Henrik Larsson. Probably you coming from Sweden, if you will tell that to the, to the youth, um, <laughs> they will say you're crazy because they will say... Uh, Ibrahimovic is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, but I, I think it also depends on 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 who you're telling it to. Yeah. Um, and I cannot point out that that me being a Henrik Larsson fan is actually not something that I should be because I'm a Malmö FF supporter and he's from Helsingborg, so it's the main rival of of Malmö. But to my defence, is that he played for Celtic when I was a kid. Uh, he didn't play for Helsingborg. It already left, and I didn't realize he was from Helsingborg until later. So I'm, I'm excused. And of course, um, he, he was one of the best. And 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 that's what I wanted to ask you. Um, Swedish uh, uh, Sweden has such a, a big history with with uh, strikers, big strikers. I think all your best players are are really strikers, isn't it? Yeah, that is actually true. I haven't really thought about it, but I, when you say it, I think it might come have to do a little bit with that. If you take the way that that football is played in Sweden, it's very much looked to to the UK and the Premier League. It's kind of uh, putting the standard because everyone wants to get to the Premier League, which means that you don't have maybe the passing and things like that that you have in, in for instance, in, in Spain uh, and the tactic the the technical stuff. Um, and since in general, I guess we don't have the same depth of quality players as bigger nations, probably the, the strikers are the ones who are the ones who can succeed best because uh, that role is quite similar wherever you play. Is yeah. that but I got right now? Because <laughs> the, uh, the, probably I don't know if, if you know him. Overkindfo is one of the Swedish biggest strikers ever, I think. Um, he also played for Feyenoord that's why I know him but he, he's pretty big in um, in um, 
in Sweden. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I just like overkeen for I also think there is a, a quite of a connection between Swedish football and and Dutch football because there's a lot of uh, players that that's the first step kind of when you leave Swedish football to go out in Europe. One of the most popular ways is to go to uh, to the Dutch league, uh, and I think it's a really good stepping stone is to because it becomes a too big step if you go uh, to the big big leagues. Yes, I agree. Um, in Malaga, we don't have a Dutch striker, but what we do have. Is a or is a Swedish striker, but what we do have is a Swedish uh, goalie. Do you know him, Strintom? I do not, but I it does. Rem- I, I, there is some bell in the back of my head ringing when you're saying it, but I don't know much of him now. Okay, I play, I think he plays for uh, for the national youth team of Sweden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there you go. We've got a, a little Swedish epilogue to our Malaga Oviedo Odyssey, which we've played out this week. So, uh, Alex, thank you for coming on. Do you do you want to plug anything? Because I know you're a big presence on Twitter, and you can, you can follow Alex on Twitter and stuff. Yeah, I think the the best is is to follow me on Twitter since uh, I freelance, so it's a little few stuff here and there. Well, I do have one thing: is uh, I work for a um, football app called Forza Football, mm-hmm. uh, which you can get in in Swedish, English, Italian, or Spanish. And on that app, uh, in these four different languages, every day I kind of do a summary of things to to read and listen to in, in the football world. So if anyone wants to check out that out, they can, can always do that. I'm downloading it right now. <laughs> and when can we expect your book? When, 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 when does it have to be finished? Oh, that's... Uh, there is no set date yet. Um, um, it's it's something that I work do work with on my free time. And as a freelancer, you don't have a lot of free time. But I try to to put down as much as as I can. So because of that, I don't really know how long time it will take. But I think it still has about a year in the making. Um, it's it's a very long process. But I think I think and hope it will be worth the wait when it's done. So if you, um, what is your Twitter at Alex? I can't remember. I do follow you, but I've forgotten. Yeah, you. it's, <laughs> it's at, uh, at Alexander Johnson, no H and one S in Johnson. There you go. So if you follow that, you can get the book when it comes out, whenever that is. We'll wait patiently for this yes. piece of Oviedo <laughs> masterpiece. Okay, thank you very much, Alex. Enjoy the rest of your time in Sweden. And we look forward to welcoming you back to Spain soon, hopefully. Thank you, and thank you for having me. So this upcoming weekend, Malaga do not have to worry about their league position at all because we are back in Cup competition and we are against Primera team Granada who've had a great couple of seasons which I'm I'm sure we'll talk about at the moment in in the next few minutes but also Granada happens to be down the road from Malaga so Chris you know they're quite close in regards of Spanish geography is Malaga v Granada a a rivalry or or not no there's a lot of respect between both clubs um yeah, there's a lot of respect. 
brothers. I think brothers is okay. also maybe not the same word. Yeah, some Malaga fans will use the 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 name brothers. Yeah, there's just a lot of respect between them. Yeah, I remember. Obviously, we'll talk about Granada's Europa League adventures. I'm sure, but in a few of the games this season, I've seen quite a lot of people on Malaga Twitter, you know, tweeting their congratulations and they, you know, wishing them well and stuff, which would be nice to see. And Granada, of course, is just one of the best cities there is in Spain. Um, I think you you said you've all been there, but it, it's one of my favourite cities in Andalusia. I was there for the second time in the summer. Uh, does anyone else want to say nice things about Granada? Ben, I think you said you've been there. Yeah, it's, it's really nice city. If you haven't been, uh, do go. Uh, it's got lovely views. Uh, the Alhambra is brilliant, and they've got a really nice lager, also called Alhambra, which is lovely. Yeah, it, is, um, it was quite low down on my list of favourite Spanish lagers, Alhambra, but the second time I went there, it, it slowly won me over. And Alex, I think you said you even lived near Granada, sort of. Yeah, so I used to live in, well, I believe, is the last village of the battles just before when uh, Isabel and Fernandez took over Spain from the Moors. Uh, for, I believe the town where I live, Balor, just outside Granada, was the place or the location of that last battle. And uh, yeah, I have to agree with Ben, Alhambra is probably my favourite beer. So yeah, it's a lovely place. And I've also been skiing in the Sierra Nevada, so it's the perfect microclimate. You've got sun, snow, you've got everything you could want. Yeah, lots of my colleagues have spent Christmas skiing in Sierra Nevada. This is turning into like a holiday podcast. I've sort of yes. celebrated Oviedo, and now we're doing Granada. Chris, do you, want, do you want to say nice things about the city of Granada while we're at it? Um, well, I want to give uh, a good advice. If you ever decide to go skiing in uh, Sierra Nevada, um, don't forget sun. No, it's, I'm not joking. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget uh, sun protection. Yeah. Because uh, when I went there, I was 15 years old, and I went with my cousins and Spanish, and they never even saw snow. So it was like a really strange thing. Um, but uh, I used to snowboard a lot in uh, a lot of countries in Europe. doesn't matter. Um, but I didn't uh, use uh, sun protection. So uh, after a day skiing, uh, we arrived back in Malaga at night. And I have, uh, I, I've had... I was burned, but second degree burnings I had on my face. Wow. Yeah, it's it's real serious. I, I'm laughing here. I shouldn't be laughing, really. <laughs> it, it was pretty horrible. I had a date the next day. It, oh, my face looked like, uh, I, I won't tell you how my face looked, but it wasn't pretty. It looked pretty gross. So, uh, yeah, that's my uh, story of, uh, right, of okay. skiing in Granada. But it's a lovely place to ski. Um, and a lovely city to go to and they're famous for its tapas. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought we were going to talk about Granada and not mention the free tapas. That's my favourite thing there. I went there and just didn't spend a penny on food. I just spent it on beer yes. and you always get free tapas. So uh, to, to add to this weird Granada travel guide, which we've fallen into, to add to Chris's advice of wearing sun protection if you go um, snowboarding in Sierra Nevada, 
don't buy food in Granada. It's all free. You can eat all day for free and it's all magnificent. And now I'm going to think about this. I don't want to bring this up straight away. I'm trying to, since Ben and Alex mentioned Alhambra, I've slowly started ranking my favourite Spanish beers, but I'm going to think about it. So maybe maybe for next week's podcast, we'll come back to that because that's a good well, topic. It, no, Chris, I, it's too soon. <laughs> no, but... Alex just said Alambres is best Spanish beer. Yes. Which is sacrilegious on this podcast. Who who got him on the podcast? (laughs) You. (laughs) That's not to say I don't like Victoria. (laughs) No, but Victoria is much better than than Alhambra. I agree. I'm also Victoria. Go go wash your mouth, Alex Eshmore. As as great as Victoria is, we're going to switch back to Granada because Alhambra is yes. great. But also, um, Granada Football Club is a particularly great football club at the moment. And obviously, they, they only got promoted back to La Liga or Primera two years ago. And since then, they finished seventh, qualified for Europe. They were seventh when we started recording tonight, but they've just won 2-0. So they, I don't know if they've crept up the table a bit more. But... Um, Alex, is is Granada the sort of club we should Malaga should be aspiring to be, really? Definitely. I think, I mean, short story there, I think my third ever game in Spain that I saw was Getafe versus Granada. And a certain David Lomban was playing at centre-back oh, for Granada. And, uh, yeah, so I definitely think they're the sort of, they've obviously had time in Segunda, like, uh, like Malaga, I remember when Tony Adams took over them. So that was a bit of a comical stage. But I remember, well, you know, seeing them and thinking, well, they had Isaac Success, who I believe played for Watford at some point. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're back in the heights of La Liga now, and I'm, I'm really happy for them, obviously doing really well in the Europa League. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think we should be aspiring to be somewhat like Malaga, uh, sorry, somewhat like Granada. Yeah, we're already like Malaga. Um, ben, would you agree with Alex's? summary there absolutely it takes a lot to get promoted um, and then finish seventh in the league uh, like you said the Watford connection uh, I think they've got a couple of players from Watford over the years Isaac Success um, and Luis Munoz uh, not Luis Munoz Luis Suarez who scored for them tonight uh, he's at Watford as well yeah. so the way they have, they're running the club over the past couple of years is um, really good by the sounds of things and how they're doing in the league but I think the thing with them is um, that Watford link, I think, has been cut now, hasn't it? And uh, the thing I that makes me optimistic with Malaga, not that I'm saying Malaga are going to get promoted and going to play in Europe in two years, but Granada did like switch to this whole um, we'll buy local players and like Andalusian players or p- players that are, know the area and their manager, who I think we can talk about in a second, and they said, right, we're going to be quite stable and work from like a solid foundation from there. And even when they got promoted, I think, you know, they signed someone like Roberto Soldado, who's a bit of a big name, but not, you know, stellar signings. And they've been quite, quite steady. And I think, you know, it takes a bit of luck and lots going right. But I think that's the way to do it. And um, their manager as well, Diego Martinez, is, is one of the best, you know, great success stories of Spanish football at the moment. He's sort of, he's only managed like Sevilla's C and B team. He's been on the coaching staff there. He had a 
think, oh, I forgot. I think it's Osasuna. I think it's Osasuna, not Alaves. He managed that for a little bit and it didn't work out. But he's done a hell of a job there. And he's still very young. And um, definitely, I think I think we were just talking before we started recording. Um, I was saying that he's probably going to be the severe manager sometime in the future. And he's still in his 30s, I think. So I really like him. Um, I'd surprise if he didn't go somewhere else. Uh, Chris, any any more positive thoughts on Granada Football Club yes they bought Antonin from us oh uh, yes of course yeah I forgot about he, that he's playing for Rayo Vallecano yeah. at the moment but as we know I think they helped Malaga a bit out there yeah. because we needed the money they uh, didn't really need it him hmm. and also obviously Antonin went on to score for Rayo Vallecano against us this season so yes. cheers for that Antonin and like it's crazy things like um Granada are playing Napoli in the Europa League last 32 in, uh, I think, next month. It just seems crazy because, you know, I think on this podcast, especially, I know we joke with some of our guests about, oh, is their club a big team or not? But growing up, Granada were not a, you know, not a name I associated as a Spanish powerhouse or anything. So it's crazy how they've, how they've got but there. They have players like uh, Roberto Soldado, a big name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darwin Machis, Jorge Molina, ex Betis, yeah. Antonio Puertas. Uh, My favorite, Luis Mia, who played for Tenerife last year, was very good against Malaga in the two games and was just very yes. good. Um, Joe Costa in the goal. Well, no, but their goalie, they've got the best one of the best goalies in Spain, is Rui Silva, the Portuguese guy yeah. who's, who I think is already signed for Betis for next season, I think. I don't know if that's done, but I'm sure I read that. But um, yeah, you know, so there you go, Granada. We've we've bigged up your city and your football team. So can you please be nice to Malaga now, if you could, please? But wouldn't it be good to drop the 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 Copa? Well, this is what I was going to ask you, Chris. Why do you think it would be good then? Because you said this earlier. Because we, yeah, because we only have 18 players, and I don't think it's give it, we're earning a lot of money with it, like. It's not giving us much. And we all know we're not going to win the cup. Oh, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're honest, you know yeah. Malaga is not going to win the cup. But I, I suppose at the moment, though, I agree in a, in a way if this was a midweek game. But the fact we have a week to prepare for it and then another week off. I agree. But then next game will be if you win. Yeah, it will probably a midweek game again. There's so many things the cup offers, though. It offers mm. um, another chance for players to play who aren't playing, and also, I mean, we beat we beat Oviedo in the week, and that that probably gave the players a lot of confidence. I mean, we haven't won in five games in the league. Um, definitely, when we came out against Oviedo at the week, and we looked better. I mean, that did ease off a bit, but I think it gives a chance for the teams to have more confidence and definitely go out there and put on a. They've got nothing to lose against Granada either. Yeah. That... No, but you need you need seven professionals on the pitch. And we will we'll give them that, I'm sure. I'm sure we have Yeah, them. but so it's such a I stupid well, I think I've spoken about that rule on this podcast before. I think it's the stupidest rule in Spanish football yeah, more than anything. Especially for a team like Malaga, which is struggling and they they obviously putting restrictions on, well, they've put restrictions on Malaga over the last two seasons. And then they say, and Malaga are going, look, we've got quite a good academy here. Can we play them? Yeah. No, you can't. Why? 
that's why it's unfair. Well, it's, it's, it makes but no listen, sense but, to me. But it's not unfair because you're not even in advantage if you no. if you play your youngsters. No, <laughs> it, it will only be disadvantage. Like if 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 I was Malaga and I would say, listen, I want to play with eleven professional cats. <laughs> I'd love to see that, by the way. But I can see why they do it. Though, I think. No, but would anybody care? You know. Well, my thing is, and I'll come to you, Alex. I just you, you say something. But um, we were just talking about football literature earlier, actually, when we weren't recording. And I remember reading Graham Hunter's book about Spain winning the World Cup or the three trophies in a row. And there's a whole chapter in that dedicated to how good. Spanish youth system, the Spanish youth system is, and I go, wow, that does sound amazing. So if it's so, I don't. This seems to be detrimental to that to me. This rule about youngsters, because you know, wouldn't it be great if Malaga could play, you know, Ishmael, Ramon, Quintana, uh, Juan de, uh, Julio, all these players? I'm not saying it'd be good for Malaga. Maybe it's good for Spanish football, though. Surely, if one of them comes out of it. But anyway, go on, Alex. Really quickly on the, that point. Yeah, no, I think I think one of the reasons I can think why they do it is obviously if I remember if you throw back to when I believe it was Real Madrid and Barca battling it out for the league. I mean, when is it not? And uh, Real Madrid, I think, were playing Malaga, and Altani said something about you know wanting to the wanting Real Madrid to win instead of uh, Barcelona, so we'll let them win. And I think there is that mm-hmm. element to to give to make sure that it's fair and not unfair on other teams who don't have any involvement in that game. But then also I do think it could reduce, we could reduce the number of professionals to maybe four or five so we can give more youngsters opportunities. Yeah, that'd be a fair compromise, I suppose. But um, yeah, um, just quickly then, uh, what what do you think, Alex? Because Chris said he thinks sacrificing the copper would be a good thing to you or? To us, I think, in this case, I'm not too worried because we're not playing too well in the league. So, you know, I don't think a cup run would distract us too much. I think it would maybe give us a bit of confidence. And I think it's good practice to play against these big teams to expose our young lads to the sort of quality that they have. Yeah, I think for me, Ben said the the exact statement I had in my head. We've, we've got nothing to lose, really. We um, I don't expect us to get through. It's a good bit of you know practice for our team and and if we win then we've won a home game which is something we've not done and we've beaten a top flight team don't forget we we secundas 42 games already in a a season it's Mm. it's like loads of games you have to play and it's a difficult season to play hard hard um hard competition um and and we our players are fit but we have loads of injuries. Yeah, yeah, I get your point as well, Chris. There, but I don't know. I, I, I suppose the romantic football fan in me is coming out here and just thinking we could beat a a good team, and wouldn't that be nice? Maybe I'm ignoring the practicalities of it all, but um, anyway, I don't yeah, know. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, no, you. I get. I get both sides. You know, I'm I'm playing devil advocate a little bit, but I would like <laughs> us to see like to see us win and. I think, of course. I think, I'm guessing it was Ben again tweeted out. I think we've got the third worst home record in the league now. So anything to help us kickstart that again, um, you know, some sort of home delight. And but anyway, um, I think we'll start wrapping things up there, guys. Unless um, anyone has anything they'd like to add before we go. 
take that silence as no. Um, so I will say thank you, Ben, for joining us again. Thank you. Vamos Malaga. Vamos Malaga, indeed. And thank you, Alex. Thank you. Thank you very much. And don't forget to check out Alex on his Die Hards and Glory Hunters podcast. I got that right, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you slag. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I, I don't know, exactly know what it's about, but it sounds good to me. It's about football fans talking, and that's I'm all for that. So I will make sure to give that a listen to. And thank you, Chris Marquez, as always. Thank you, Matt. And vamos Malaga. And vamos Malaga indeed. And thank you all for listening. And thank you to Alex, as in Oviedo Alex, for joining us again. We'll see you next week. We're hopefully. We're through to the cup. Well, I hope so. Anyway, you've been listening to the Geary Cast on Sport Direct Radio. Adios and vamos Malaga. Oh,